Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you uh, are here today. And those in the back, if you're going to join us, we're, we're getting started here. So um, before I get into anything, let me go ahead and just open in prayer, okay? Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are. Father, there is none like you. Father, you're faithful to your word. You're faithful to, to yourself. Father, you're faithful to all the things you've spoken, they will be. And Father, we thank you for that faithfulness you have for your name's sake, Father. Father, we come to you today because we want to learn and grow. We want to become the children that you rightly deserve us to be. Father, forgive us of our backslidings and our sins and help us to become more and more in that image that you desire us to be. Father, we thank you again for the redemption and the love we find in your son, Yahshua, our Messiah and our King. Amen. Okay, so as you guys know, we're in chapter 17. Oh, and uh, as you know, the mic's out there, so just raise your hand. Uh, it'll get to you. Make sure you speak into it very clearly, um, or close to your mouth, so it all, all comes through. Um, and let's be... Uh, beyond point of what we're talking about but i'm hoping i'm going to kind of probably go really quick because i got a lot that i kind of want to cover uh and then hopefully maybe some questions and comments uh, as we as that uh will happen so again thanks for all of you being here thanks for those online for joining us um we show, so appreciate all who who give and support uh living messiah here thank you again so, um, as far as, and a thumbs up is always nice too. Okay, uh, real quick, we're in, we're in chapter 17, as you guys know. Okay, the, you, we're in a synagogue, okay? It's a synagogue. So some of the Eudim, some of the Jews there that did not believe in the message that Paul, uh, Paul brought, well, they became envious and they took some of the wicked men from the marketplace and gathered a mob and set the city in an uproar and they came upon Jason's house uh, seeking to bring, uh, bring them out to the people. Okay, so that's where we're at. Um, I, I gave you, last week we spoke about this very, uh, two important verses that are going to repeat themselves in a lot of ways this week as well. And we find it in Luke, uh, Luke 12, 51 and Matthew 10, 34. So the basics of that Messiah says, you know, I didn't come to bring you peace here. I've, I've come to bring you sword or I've come to bring division. So if he's the word of God, it's who he is. So ultimately what the message is, the word of God divides. It divides. That's why Yeshua has come. Okay. That's the one of the main one of the major things that we we have to attach to Yeshua or the Messiah or Jesus Christ 
any way you want to look at. We cannot uh, overlook that part. And there's so many, there's so much dynamics to our Messiah. Um, and today we're, we'll just probably touch upon uh, one of those characteristics or one of those things. But so, so basically, uh, last week the theme was division, and it will. It seems to com- continue all the way through Acts, and I would suggest it always was from the v- very beginning, because the Word of God just does that. The Word of Elohim goes out and it divides. It's as clear as that. That's I think a good principle that y- uh, you can analyze the Hebrew text that way, because that comes from our God. So what I wanted to do this week, I want to start differently. I know I, we were going to, I had mentioned, hey, read Thessalonians 1. Uh, well, I'm going to kind of skip that. But if you did read ahead in Thessalonians 1, it's the Bible. Well, we will get to that part. But something I wanted to do with us for today. So we are in chapter 17, as you know, and I want to start differently today. We're going to, I'm going to start with Micah, the prophet, okay? and the Messiah's words as well, okay? Micah the prophet, Yeshua's words in the book of Acts, in, and specifically since we're in chapter 17, the connection. What kind of connection is there? And yes, I know, oh, it's the Bible, it's all connected, but I think there's a deeper connection for us, uh, uh, for our lives, and something, and something for us here today. So, uh, so, what I want to do is show you my conclusion for you to consider uh, as I go on here, okay? We will start with the prophet Micah. Micah, his name, right off the bat. Who is like Yahuwah or who is like Yah, okay? I know you might see in your Bibles who is like God. That's other people's name, but it's Yah, meaning who is like Yahuwah. So who is like Yahuwah? Well, you know, there's no one else like Yahuwah, of course. But I think in that name, we can also say, who is like Yahuwah? Are you like Yahuwah? Are we like him? And meaning, imitating his character, doing the things he's asked? I think that's the bigger question. Are we displaying his character that people would see us and say, oh, I, I see who Yahuwah is because of how you act and what you do. Okay, so that's the prophet Micah, and that's where I want to begin. And again, this will tie into Acts, uh, I think, in a very powerful way. At least it did for me, and I, I got excited because I wanted to share this with you because I think this is important. This helps us when we're in our New Testament looking at these things, especially here in Acts, uh, and maybe some of the backgrounds we've all come from as well, too. So in Micah, uh, the word of Yahuwah came to Micah of uh, Morseth in the days of uh, Yotan, Ahaz, Hezekiah, sovereigns of Judah, uh, which he saw concerning Samaron or Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear all you people, listen, all you land, earth, and all who are in it, and let the master Yahuwah be a witness against you. That's, that goes way back to Deuteronomy. A witness against you. Yahweh, from his set-apart 
Chachel, his set-apart dwelling place. For look, Yahuwah is coming out of his place, and he shall come down and shall tread on the high places of the earth. Anything exalted, he's going to come down and walk right over it. For look, Yahuwah is coming out of his place, and he shall come down and he shall tread on the high places of the earth, anything that man has lifted up. And the mountains shall melt under him, and the valleys and the clefts as wax before the fire, as waters pour down a steep place. All this is for the transgressions of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgressions of Jacob? Is it not Samaron? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Yehuda, of, of, of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? I just, this gives you an aspect of Micah and what's coming from Micah. And then it goes on, you shall make Samaria a heap and, and, and vineyards and things like that. So I don't, what I want to focus on is the particular people group here okay sins of jacob that's the house of israel that's samaria the high places is associated with judah and jerusalem specific places so i'm going to even make it simpler at least for me i was looking well we have to i want to it needs to be simplified and why i do this and I'll explain it in a second. This is about the family of Elohim. Okay? So we're all included. Okay? Instead of all the Jew this or uh, uh, the northern kingdom this or those people. No. The, it's about the family of Elohim, the family of God. So wherever you're at with your theology, if you adhere to the word of God, the, the Hebrew scriptures, the old and new, this is about you and you can't exclude yourself out in any way because it's about the family if you're a family member it's about you okay so that's the direction I want us to keep focused on that to me is very important for us at least what I see because we can get in all trapped in all kinds of other uh, theological things and miss the big point this is about the family of Elohim uh, not about the world. Let me add that in there. It's about us. Not about the world here. Jerusalem and Samaria. Yehovah, uh, he has a complaint against his people. Not against the world. Against his people. He's bringing judgment, not against the world first, against his people. That's you and I. A simple way to describe this is for us today is he's against those who call him father. Those who call the God of Israel God, Elohim. And again, I must say, it's those who call him father in the Old Testament and it's those who call him father, Old and New Testament. Father. And that's all who look at the completion of the old and new as a guide to their life. 
So, again, I'm emphasizing we can't get out of this. This is about you and me. Okay? So, what I want to do is I'm going to jump to Micah 7. Woe to me, for I am as gathered as summer fruit, as gleanings of the grape harvest. There is no cluster to eat. My being has desired the first ripe fruit. Here we go. This is that complaint. The kind one has perished from the earth. And there is no straight among men. This is about his people. All of them lie and wait for blood. Everyone hunts his brother with a net. Both hands are on the evil to do it well. Not just to do wrong. Do it to the extreme that you can, the best that you can be bad, be it the best. Get the trophy, so to speak, right? The princes ask for gifts. The judges seek a bribe. And the great man speaks the desires of his heart, his uh, being, the de- desire of his being. And they wave it together, weave it together. The best of them is like a prickly plant. The most straight is sharper than a thorn hedge. Basically, he's saying, listen, my family, you're a bunch of cactuses. All right, we live in Arizona, so we can relate to that. You're a spiny plant. Even the best of you are thorn bushes. And uh, if you're familiar with thorn bushes and clearing any kind of land, you know how devastating they are and how inconvenient and just, I could go on about that personally. But it goes on. The day of your watchman and your punishment has come. Now is... Now is their confusion. What I ask you right now, even with us family members, is there a lot of confusion about a lot of maybe different things? We know judgment is going to come, and we're in this land. Judgment is going to come to this land. I don't care how much they say, God bless America. Judgment is coming here. And as you can see, it starts with his people, his family first. But I don't want to bring all that down without quickly saying there's hope, okay? The best of them is like a prickly plant, and the, and the most straight is sharper than a thorn, uh, a thorn uh, hedge. The day of the watchman, the judgment, And the punishment has come. Now is their uh, confusion. This is the other part. Trust no friend. Rely on, uh, on no companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your bosom. Wow, this is about his people. Again, Jerusalem and Samaria, I'm going to bring back to your mind. These are the people called by his name. Again, not the world. And what I want you to see, it's, it's, it's not just back then. Okay? 
Because if we separate ourselves out of those people in the, bad, in the Old Testament, we're not doing ourselves any favor at all. If anything, a disfavor. So this is about, again, us. And we will deceive ourselves if we don't look at it in that context. That's my firm opinion. So this is directly connected to us today, and I believe we can bring it to this day, today, as well. Because if his word was, is, and always will be, then we should be able to grab something out of that for us now, right? Here we go. The best of them, like I read. And then I'll jump down to five. Trust no friend. Rely on no companion. Guard the doors of your mouth from... From her who lies in your bosom. Man, that sounds personal. Oh, it is. Look at six. For son is despising father. Daughter rises up against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The enemies of a man are the men of his own house. Basically, it's the family. There's issues in this family, not the world. There's issues in God's family, so to speak. And like I said, punishment, judgment. Yes, there's mercy here and there's hope. But does that sound familiar at all? Verse 6. Let me remind us. In Luke, what did Messiah say? Do not think I come to bring peace to the earth. I say to you, no, but rather division. And what does he go on about? The division of the household. It goes on, from now on, five in one house shall be divided, three against two, and two against three. Fathers shall divide against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against, and you get the picture. What is interesting, specifically in Luke, right before he makes his statement, he says, I have an immersion that i got to go under. I have a baptism that I have to go under that my father has given me. And later on, he passes that baptism, that immersion onto us. So if you put one and one together, I think if we're to follow Yahshua, Messiah, we should be under that same immersion, that same type of baptism about the set-apart spirit. And you can see we're getting closer to Acts now. And again, in Luke here, we saw who Micah was talking to. Is Yahshua, Jesus Christ, is he talking to? Who's he talking to? The family. Those who are willing to follow him. Direct family members and then others that would be following him. He's not speaking to the world. He didn't come for the world. He came for you and me who took the call. Jerusalem, ultimately, and Samaria. Again, his people called by his name, not the world. 
As for me, I look to Yahuwah. Here's where that hope and in that judgment and things that are coming, here's, there's, there's hope here. Like I said, it's interesting. I find more and more, it's like, man, the Father, he comes down on what he's going to do, but in it there's hope. If you're willing to grab that hope and hold to that hope, right? And it's just not hope to have in your mind either. As for me, I look to Yahuwah. I wait for Elohim, the God, the Elohim of my deliverance. My Elohim does hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy, the world, let's say, or anyone else coming against you because you're adhering to the Torah or the word of God. Enemy. When I have fallen, I have risen. When I sit in darkness, Yahweh is my light to me. When things are dark, what is our light? It's his words and it's his ways and that's where our hope is. That's where our deliverance is. That's the word of Elohim. That's the word of God that was before even Yahshua came. I bear the displeasure of Yahuwah, for I have sinned against him. Yeah, we have, haven't we? I have sinned against him until he pleads my case when we're resurrected. And sometimes he pleads your case right now. But when you're... We're entering into Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. This is perfect because this is the time we start looking in and it's like, because he has the books open, so to speak. Are you there? He's judging. Are you going to turn yourself even more this year? Right? Because that's where the hope is. For I have sinned against him until he pleads my case and shall execute right ruling for me until or he brings me out into the light and I look on his righteousness. It should be revealed to you that the light is the Torah, the instructions on Mount Sinai that he gave his people and that's where he brings you to. That's where Yeshua sends you to. That's where the apostles all send you to if you're willing to look at it through what Scripture says and not other theological eyes, so to speak. And let my enemies see it. Oh, let my enemies see me be different. Let my enemies see that, no, I don't choose that. No, I'm not going to use that pronoun. No, that's not, that's confusion. Sorry, I'm not against you, but I'm not going to affirm you in any way. Right? Because that is light. That is truth. Despite whatever anyone else wants to bend it to be. So let my enemies see it. Let, them sh let shame cover her who said to me, Where is your God? Where is Yahuwah Elohim? Let my eyes look on her. What? Now she is trampled down like mud in the streets. So Micah is speaking to his family 
those who adhere to the name of Yahuwah, who that is Jerusalem, that is Samaria, again, not the world. But the earth shall become a waste because of those who dwell in it. And for the fruit of what? How they think, what they do. Shepherd your people with a, with a rod, the flock of your inheritance. So this is like, I'm thinking this is father, uh, maybe. Use your rod. The flock, I'm your inheritance, right? We are his inheritance. Who dwell among the forests in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in the Bashan and Gilad. As in the days of old, like it always was, like how you said it was and you set forth. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, that's Passover, right? I shall let him see wonders. Let the nations, I like that word better than Gentiles, it speaks bigger. Let the nations see and be ashamed of their might, of whatever power that they, they are going, let them find out that they have no might. Let them be uh, put, uh, let, let them put their hand over their mouth. Let their ears be deaf. Let them lick the dust like the serpent. Let, let them be like the one who has fallen and the liar from the very beginning. Let them come trembling from their strongholds like snakes of the earth. Let them slither finally to the truth that's before them when he returns. And I suggest let us not be slithering at that point. Let us be standing upright when he returns. Let them be afraid of Yahuwah, our God, our Elohim, and and fear because of you, him. Who is like El, taking away crookedness? Here's this hope again for the family, because he's going to judge the family, but he still has hope for the family, setting hope out. Taking away crookedness and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. It seems like the family got really small. It's just a remnant of what was the family. He shall not uh, retain his wrath forever. For he himself delights in what? Kindness. He shall turn back. He shall have compassion on us if we're willing to turn back to him and continue on this path. He shall trample upon uh, our crookedness, and you shall throw all your sins into the depths of the sea. That, wow, that sounds like, man, that sounds like a big pardon. For you give truth to Jacob, you gave truth to your family. Kindness to Abraham. Oh, the father, one of the major fathers of the family, which you swore to our fathers from the days of old. So you can see it goes right back to Abraham and what was given to Abraham. So who was Micah speaking to? Again, Jerusalem and Samaria. 
his called out people. The word of Elohim is what divides. It is the only righteous divider. Like I said, there's hope both in Micah's words and Messiah's words. And we can't overlook that judgment that's going to be there regardless. So now, like I promised, we're going to go to Acts. With all that in place, with all that connection. But before we go to Acts 17 we're at, I've got to remind us of Acts 1, just to make sure it comes together very nicely. Acts 1, verse 4. In meeting with them, this is Yeshua, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. Because John, and he truly immersed you in water, but you shall be immersed, baptized in the set-apart spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, he asked them, saying, Master, would you at this time restore the reign of Israel? Let's just say, at this time, are you going to bring the, all the family together? And he said to them, this is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority to do. But this is the key part that brings Micah and Yeshua together and then act. It's this verse. But you shall receive power when the set-apart spirit comes upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. Witnesses where? Witnesses in Jerusalem and all you, Ju Judah, Samaria. Oh, but Messiah adds, <laughs> he adds a little bit more to that. He says, to the ends of the earth. I think that's beautiful. So who was Messiah speaking to here? His family, right? Jerusalem, Samaria. Messiah adds then that to the ends of the earth. It just so happens that we are in Acts 17, right? And we just crossed over into Europe in 17 where Paul was going, which is actually in some sense considered the end of the earth at that time wow that is beautiful these are words that were from the prophet Micah happening in Acts with Messiah in there now the apostles and then Paul taking this message out to those family members and I did I do want to bring out for the most part right now even in Acts Where's Paul been going? He's been going to family members. He's been going to synagogues. Okay? Yes, there's God-fearers and those who were of the nations, but for the most part, those God-fearers and those of the nation were already in and had a faith in the God of Israel, in those commandments, in the God of Israel. So, first of all, Paul wasn't going to any Christian churches. At all. Christianity hasn't even begun as we know it for a while. So he was coming to the family. The word of Elohim is what divides then. It is the only righteous divider. I have to repeat that again. So again, 
this is going to bring us to Acts 17 now. Like I said, we're in, uh, Paul's gone to the synagogue. He was there for three Sabbaths, bringing this message. And there were some who believed, some didn't believe, and some that were out of the nation that were part of the synagogue and part of the faith of God of Israel. They were there too. But some of them didn't believe, sitting, they got envious, right? How I opened here, they got envious and they got a mob from the world, okay, to come in and get rid of Paul and this message that he had. So, again, division was happening in the household, not in the world. So this big mob that was uh, gathered together, but not finding them, it, they ended up over at Jason's house, they, they, but not finding them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers to the city rulers crying out, they have turned the world upside down and have come here too. Come here too. It seems like maybe some of these people were following Paul and his message everywhere he went. Then it goes on whom Jason uh, has received. So basically Jason took these people, took Paul into his household, hasn't known Paul except for, for you know, three weeks, three Sabbath. And my, my guess, like I said, I, I believe Jason was a Jew. Okay? And we talked about that. But then it goes on here. And all of them were acting contrary to the dogma of Caesar. This is the accusation, saying there is another sovereign, in, uh, another sovereign, Yahshua. Think about that. It was brothers of the faith who's delivering up other brothers of the faith, not based on the word of God which should govern the family. No, it was traditions of men. Right? And it's so funny that they say, oh yeah, they're saying Caesar, Caesar. Well, I mean, the very ones that are saying, yeah, they're saying that there's this other Caesar, there is no king. Well, ultimately... Anyone at that time who was following whatever kind of Judaism it was or whatever, whatever house of the family, they always knew there was always one king and it wasn't Caesar. But yet, they're using this to deliver up some family members. That's terrible. That's outright terrible. So these... Uh, um, so basically, is what we have on here. Let me finish reading. And they troubled the crowd and the city rulers when they heard this. And when they had received the pledge from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So basically, whatever's going on here, here's a few shekels maybe Jason come up with. Just move on. Okay. These Jews started this mob by saying Paul and his group were against Caesar, which, like I said, fundamentally 
the belief in the God in the Hebrew Scriptures is Yahweh. So that is just odd to begin with. Like I said, this was for the sake of traditions, the commandments of men. Ultimately, they denied the Most High for those commandments of men. And that's why they delivered their brothers up. That's why there was some kind of justification to hand over their brothers to a world which they know darn well was wrong, according to the word of Elohim, if you're going to use that. So again, it was never over the Torah or the word of Elohim. It, or was it about the work of God? This is where all this, I have a question that I'm going to put forth. And I thought about this and I'm going to do it. I think it's very important. Can you be trusted by your brother and your sister in the Lord? Can you? Are you going to deliver them up over some theology, some commandment to the world? And I'm, this came to me because, uh, uh, short story, uh, I was, uh, I, I've been watching this program, and it was interesting, Dennis Prager, if you're familiar with him, he made this statement to one of his, this other uh, Jewish uh, brother who was more on the Christian side, I'm not sure, but he goes, um, he goes, you know, if this happens again, because he's, you know, with Jews being delivered up, he goes, I think he said it in this way, I'm going to answer my question and I'm going to ask you, another brother Jew. He, uh, he says, I know I would go to the church or the synagogue, but mainly he was saying to the church, who did not close their doors during the pandemic. And the, the other brother Jew was like, you know, he was all over the place. No really good answer. But I'm like, why would Dennis Prager said that? And I think why he said that, because those churches, and he was mentioning the times of the Nazis and the Christians that took Jews in and hid them. Well, these Christians are going to say, well, they don't really believe in Jesus. They're not really our brothers. But they knew fundamentally that the Torah says not to take them in. Don't deliver them over. So that's what I saw with Dennis Prager and his answer. Maybe why he's like, I would go to that church. Because they fundamentally see that the word of God is above everything else. And that's the most important thing. And I want to point out, I think this is what Jason is here. He only knew Paul for so long. Whether he completely believed Messiah and Messiah's being the Messiah or Yeshua being the Messiah, there's a difference. He knew the word of God. He didn't know. I see other brothers wanting to deliver my brother up, a family member up, and I know it's wrong because that's what the Scripture says. So I put forth Jason like, whoa, I'm not going with your tradition, guys. You can't do this to these people. 
to our brothers? What's wrong with you? He went out on a limb because he still has to be there at that synagogue and that family and deal with whatever hiding those, hiding that Paul and that disruptor, the one who broke the traditions or didn't go along with the norm or whatever it might be. So for me, I saw something different in Jason this time. This is the hero here in my eyes, Jason. And is that why maybe that's in the text here? Because these here all have the faith in the God of Israel. They all believed in the God of Israel. They believed in the Father. Today, you would say they're Bible believers. At that time, there was no New Testament. But back then, they had different traditions and theologies. But ultimately, it was the same God and the same Father. Those who hold fast to the scriptures. And why I wanted to bring this up, times aren't getting any better. They are not getting any better. And things like this, they're coming for you and me. And they're coming from our, to our Christian brother and to our Jewish brothers, those who are going to hold fast that there is only one God. So I guess for me, one of the things is, can a Jew trust you? Even though he doesn't see the Messiah the same way, can he trust you? And I would say, I would hope so if you look at what, what is taught in the Torah. Can a Mormon trust you? Or are you going to throw a Mormon under the bus because, you know, they have their Joseph Smith that we don't adhere to, but they're still something that I believe that they're holding to Jesus in those words. Because remember, this family is dysfunctional. Can a Jehovah Witness trust you? Same thing again. A little bit different belief system and theologies. Are you going to, when things get bad for you and that type of situation, are you going to turn them over thinking it's some kind of righteous act? I see Jason didn't see it that way. I believe Jason saw the Torah and those Christians who hid Jews at the time. This is what God wants me to do. Then the last one, can a Messianic or a Hebrew roots brother or sister trust in you that you would not do such a thing? Now, in this thought, I did think about this and presenting it. And one of the thoughts I had myself is like, okay, if that type of situation comes, I'm, 
No, I cannot turn over, you know, I can't even turn over a secular person either to the mighty powers or, or what have you if I see an injustice there, especially not the family. And I know yeah, I'll probably get emails about this, but it's interesting. The family is dysfunction, and maybe the family members I could included here you may not agree with but agree that the Torah states not to do such a thing because I was even talking with a brother it speaks about your Edomite he's your brother the Egyptian remember where we all came from or however you want to look at it remember that you were a remember you were a Christian at one point wherever that walked was at that point. So I think, again, back to what I was thinking in myself, I was like, no, if things get bad, what would, what would Jesus do? What would Yeshua do? Well, we already know what he did. He laid his life down for the protection of another human being. He laid his life down and didn't hand them over in any manner. And I'm speaking that specifically to the family members and maybe to us. I know we have a variety of theologies and ideas. But times are going to get bad, so we need to stick together. Not blindly, but we need to stick together. Because they're coming for us. It's quite clear. I don't, I don't think I even need to tell you that. You can read the scriptures to know that that's been the case from the very beginning. Whatever you call the powers of be, whatever it might be, they're coming for us. But our hope is in Yahshua. Our hope is in the word of God. There's the deliverance. There's the light. And there's where we must stay. And that is a challenge, guys. I know. I'll have a question or comment. So what you're describing to us is how you walk out a covenant relationship. When you are in a covenant relationship with the Most High and how you treat covenant members of your family. And it's interesting that as we're looking at all these scriptures you've pointed out from a covenant point of view, we can see what this is saying in between the lines that you do not raise a hand against your covenant brother. And Mark and I just finished writing an article for B'nai Yosef North America about this topic. And it has to do when we returned back to the small village where we met about 300 people. Three different denominational churches exist there, a Catholic church, a Methodist church, and a Baptist church. And we see the congregation getting older, fewer people in each congregation. And we ask the question, because they're all closing their doors now, the Methodist church, because the first Methodist church has gone 
um, in a direction that this particular small Methodist church chose to disassociate from. And so we asked the question, why can't you three churches, those of you that are still Bible-believing, uh, God-calling people, all get together, lay down your denominational lines. You guys all call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you guys not get together and stand together and just gather to worship and study together, the few of you that are left? And the answer was no. Because we can't be in the presence of your practices. And we asked ourselves, will there be a day that comes that we have to lay down ourselves and be willing to gather with our brothers that even though we may not see eye to eye, and just let Yahuwah be Yahuwah in our lives and let him do the work. And let's just stand with our covenant brothers that do exist. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Polly. And that is really my basic thought that I had here because I think it's important to view it that way. And to be honest, and I know you're talking about a covenant and that, but, you know, it, it, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond the words of the Most High and says, Who is my neighbor? You know? And that's why I said we don't deliver up anybody. Now, don't take it extreme. If there's right ruling and right judgment of what someone has murdered someone, someone had, okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some of the superficial little things that divide us. And I think that it's okay. But let it not come to the, the extreme with the world approaching us, that we end up handing over what we see here in Acts, a brother or a sister, over to them, just because of a little difference in how we view things. I think that is very important. And in all that is the Word of God. It's the Torah. Valerie, and then I think I'll have the quote. So to add to what Polly just said, being willing to not only lay down your personal theologies, but also being willing to learn from each other. One of the reasons why I've stuck with Living Messiah for so long, and I might get a little bit emotional, is because the leadership here has built a community where we can not only, you know, coexist amongst one another even though we might have various views on things but to promote the kind of environment where we can learn from one another and even when we can't come see eye to eye on a certain thing that's okay we can still treat with one another with love and respect and especially if it's not something that's like in the scriptures. Granted, there's some things in scripture that are like, that are, that's a hard line. That's a sin. This is not a sin. Fair enough. But then there's other things out there that are just gray areas where we don't know everything, where we don't see all the things. And we might have see different scriptures in a different way. And that's okay. But what's what's going on? What's going on in your heart? Like, are you too prideful to admit that you could be wrong? 
because that's a problem because the minute you think you know everything is the exact same minute you can't learn anything. You cannot grow in an echo chamber. You have to be willing to hear what other people say, analyze it with critical thinking, test it against scripture, most importantly, and if you turn out to be wrong, you know, be willing to be wrong and be willing to correct what you need to be corrected. Thank you, Valerie. The last note here, it is about the word of God. And I think that is the plumb line, like a uh, sister pointed out here. Messiah, he had stated, where is my sin? And, well, you're, uh, don't see anything. Because if they would have jumped on, well, you're not adhere. Well, a lot of it was you're not adhering to the traditions. You're not adhering to our th theologies. And he says, "Where is my sin according to the scriptures?" That's where we need to be. All right, call me sinful against your theology. I'm all right with that. But we do not want to be found in sin against the Word of God. That's where we have to say, if you come up with a tradition and I sin against your tradition, a tradition, a commandment of men, and I don't mean in disrespect in any manner in that sense, but let us not be found, like Yeshua, sin in what the Father said. They could not find, what an example, they could not find a thing. All they could find was tradition and all this other stuff that man came up with. They could not throw the book at him because he was the book. But anyhow, Father, how great and mighty you are. There is none like you. Father, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for your faithfulness to your words. Father, we do. We need immersed in your spirit. We need empowered by your spirit so we can become more like you. As it's getting darker, Father, help us to be more of what your light in a righteous manner in the times that we need to do it. Father, we absolutely need your guide on how to go forward with anything in our lives. Thank you for providing and just thank you for your love and mercy. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys came and we'll continue in Acts and thanks all the who joined us online.